We're always so excited to hear our church people that are living on mission every day of the week. That's what God wants us to do, right? To live out our faith Sunday through Saturday during the week where we live. Write this down in your handouts for me. People are the mission. Where there are people, there's a mission field. My name is Jacob Baker, and I have the honor of serving as your missions pastor. And I am so happy to have Drew Gintz with us today. Drew and his family planted Bedrock Fishtown Church in Philadelphia a little over a year ago. Some of y'all over the past couple years have heard about our partnerships with some of the churches up there in Philadelphia. And of course, each Christmas we send sharing hope bags up there to kind of help them, uh, help them reach the community and, and meet tangible needs there. Drew, tell me a little bit about what's going on at Bedrock Fishtown. Yeah, um, first I wanted to say thank you. Um, I don't know that you know, maybe, maybe you do. I don't know that you know quite the scope of what Three Circles is doing in Philadelphia. I represent one church plant. And so from, on behalf of Bedrock, thank you. But then there's many, and some of which you saw, um, where there is a mission of making disciples in a city that desperately needs it, that the impact that Three Circles is having is significant. And so thank you for that. Um, for us today, as like Bedrock Church is significant, Today marks one year since we had our first service in the Fishtown neighborhood. So we're excited about that. It's a reason for celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. So prior to this, you, were, you and your family were serving at a church uh, in Allentown, and you felt God calling y'all to something else. Yeah, yeah. Our, my call, I think it began first and foremost with um, seeing God as who he is in his word and through his, through his church. Um, and so I went to Lynchburg and Liberty University, uh, and I was there much longer than I thought I would be. Um, but the Lord got a hold of my heart in that season, um, and he pointed me towards church planting. And the first thing that I told my wife when we met was that I was going to plant a church in Pennsylvania, and she married me. So <laughs> she's an incredible woman. We now have three children, and we're doing that. But between that, there is this season of like navigating a calling, which is difficult. We say it often, are you called to something? And so for, for us, it was first putting that calling down in a lot of ways. Um, and so we landed in Lynchburg, and I went to Bedrock Church in Bedford, Virginia, and um, they offered there a seat at the table where I could just learn, what does it mean to plant churches? Um, and for a long season, I, I was a part of that process to the point where we had established ourselves. Lynchburg was home, and I had kind of in my mind said, okay, Lord, maybe church planting we're sending. Maybe that's it. And so we'd established ourselves there, um, and we had a yard, and we knew our kids were going to school, and it was good, and we had a community and a family. And at a certain point, the Lord began to just reveal to us that um, he had equipped us, and he is preparing us for something. And so... Back home was Allentown, um, and one of our elders, Jeremy Miner, then leaned into that calling and said, hey, you need to figure out if that's something God's calling you to. And so as we looked towards Philadelphia, it was extremely daunting, but there was a moment there where you had to again trust the Lord and his sovereignty and say, okay, well, we're ready to then put all this down um, to go for a row home that looks a lot like Rocky's row home. Um, and we are going to a people that desperately need the gospel, and we're planting and sending our kids to a school um, that is a lot different than the one that they were going to be at. And so, yeah, a lot of that has been navigating. What does this look like for us as, as a people and as individuals to embrace that kind of a calling in our life? And it's one day at a time for us. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Following God's call to, to something else involves a transition. Sometimes it 
involves goodbyes and a change for, for our whole family. In the midst of y'all following that call, following God in obedience, how has he shown up in your life? Yeah, um, man, I think when we first realized we were going to Philadelphia, um, we knew we were planting in Fishtown, and the neighboring community uh, was a neighborhood called Kensington. Um, and uh, the New York Times labeled it as the Walmart of heroin. So it is uh, the heart of the opioid epidemic in Philadelphia. And so for us, as, as we step into this community, we're, we're praying over how God is going to answer these prayers of safety and security. And how do we possibly move into a community like that and make disciples? Um, and what we've seen is that God has done far more to prepare that people than we realized at the moment. But at the same time is that there's a moment in your life, and you don't have to plant a church to realize this, but there's a moment where you get to the end of yourself. And so what I mean by that is you get to the end of your physical, emotional, and spiritual limits. Um, and we have found that the greatest prayer that he's answered along the way has been that, that he's provided and been there and he's comforted and cared for and sustained in a way that I can truly say this is, God is doing something and it's not us um, and it's just a joy to be a part of it. So that's probably the most significant answer for us. I love the way you say that as you get to the end of yourself, like God is there and he's equipping you and, and pulling you on. But at the same time, he's, he's already going before you and he's already preparing the hearts of the people there. So praise God that he, he's sovereign, he is with us and he goes before us. So we mentioned Three Circle, of course, partners with y'all and other churches and family members and friends have partnered with y'all over the years. What type of partnership, how does that help y'all? Yeah, um... I think when I think about partnership, I often think about Paul's words in Romans, Romans 1, where he says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you a spiritual gift. So that, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Um, and the heart of that, what he's saying is that he, they have supported him. But what he's saying is why I want to see you is I need to again see your faith in Christ. Like, I need to know the mission in your own lives. I need to know what the Lord's doing through three circles. I need, to, I need to hear again so that I can be encouraged in my own mission that I have. And I think something that I've realized even coming here a day like today is probably put it on display. Um, this is not normal. Um, the scope as to which God is using this church is incredible. And you need to know that. Um, we are recipients of that. And so when we talk about partnership, it's been something that is just more significant than just a financial support. Um, it's a relationship that celebrates Christ at the heart of it. And so we've been able to participate that, with that in three circles and Jacob and Nick and, uh, and Chris and those guys. We love being able to partner because of our, our people's generosity. But if our church members, they, if they want to personally get involved and follow and pray for y'all, how can they do that? Yeah, I think um, one of the best ways is prayer. That is the, most, the best way. And so um, if you go to bedrockfishtown.com, there's going to be a place where you can sign up for a newsletter. And the reason that's important is because you're, it's going to inform your prayers. And so I, I want you to know how to pray for us. It's many of the reasons Paul wrote his letters, so that we could be informed about why we're praying and what we're praying for. So, yeah, partner with us in prayer. Partner, partner with us and come and see us. Come and support. Come and participate in the work. Um, and partner with us financially. Um, I may, you may not know just quite how significant those, those financial partnerships are, but today is a year since our first service, and right before our first service, there, are, there was a gift that was given to us that it, it just wouldn't happen outside of it. And so, I, again, those, they're significant. And as we came up on Easter, um, there's another gift that says, hey, we are here in this with you. And so for us, it's, it's significant, and it, and it pushes the mission forward. So 
Yeah. Well, we're excited about what God's doing through y'all in Bedrock Fishtown and thankful that you took time out of your, your weekend to come visit with us. And I want to pray for you before we finish, okay? Lord, I want to thank you so much for Drew Grinch and his family, Lord, and for what you're doing in them and through them at Bedrock Fishtown, Lord. I want to pray that you would continue to guide them, help them to be a light in their community, help people to come to know you through their church, Lord, and help it not just be people who come to faith, but come to faith and then want to go out and live on mission and make disciples who make disciples. Lord, I pray that you would reach that community for your name and for your glory. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you've heard today that uh, everyone who is a believer uh, is called to be on mission. As Pastor Chris uh, explained to us, the mission that we're called to is an impossible mission within ourselves and within our own uh, abilities. But he also assures us that we don't have to do it alone, but in fact that the Holy Spirit who dwells within the believer is there to partner with us and to help us to understand our mission and to complete our mission. So whenever I hear statements like that, I always try to figure out, is there an example of that? Is there someone I can look at and say, yes, now I see how that plays out. And so I thought, surely there's someone in Scripture who lived on mission, complete their, completed their mission, and the Holy Spirit was constantly interactive in their life. And so I did an exhaustive search of Scripture and after an exhaustive search, I found someone that you might be familiar with. His name is Jesus. And, and so, you know, we, we forget, you know, again, sometimes we say, well, he was God. But you remember, he was fully God, fully man. And in his humanity, the Holy Spirit was constantly involved in the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Scripture, we find that Jesus' inescapable command, com, companion during his earthly ministry was the Holy Spirit. And just a few references that I included in your handout, in, in Matthew uh, 3.16, at the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit descends, which was a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah 11, where Isaiah said that when the Messiah would come, that the Holy Spirit would rest upon him. In Matthew 4, 1, when uh, after his baptism, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Other translations seem a little more forceful, and they say that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. Luke 4, 14 says when the temptation was over, it says that he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, other translations say when he came out, he came out full of the Holy Spirit. And so what does he do after all of this? First thing in his public ministry, one of the first things in his public ministry, he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, goes to the synagogue, and he's going to teach. They hand him the Isaiah scroll. He reads a passage from Isaiah, and he says to them, this has been fulfilled basically right before your eyes. In other words, I'm the fulfillment of this passage. And how did that passage start? It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus recognized the role of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
And then you think of all the miracles, all the things he performed, the, you know, the way he lived his life, the way he lived his life, you know, sinlessly, and, you know, the insight and the wisdom and the knowledge, all those things he had. And so often we, we want to, again, fall back on the fact, well, he was God. But in his humanity, those things were accomplished by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 38, Christ performed the miracles that he performed, how? In the power of of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was active from the very beginning of his life all the way through the public ministry of Jesus Christ. So how does the Holy Spirit then empower us to live on mission? What does that look like in our lives? In 2 Timothy uh, 1.7, the Apostle Paul is now older. He's in prison. Timothy, his protege, companion, and uh, is now a pastor and a part of leaving, leading uh, a great, you know, movement, spiritual movement. And the Apostle Paul, understanding what Timothy might be going through, writes to him to encourage him. And he says, for God has, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So let's understand this is a little bit of the insight of how the Holy Spirit will work in us while we stay on mission. It says, first of all, the Holy Spirit does not give us a power of fear. So the Spirit gives us courage and boldness, which the mission requires. There are other translations that simply say this, the Holy Spirit does not make cowards. But the Holy Spirit gives us boldness and gives us courage. Again, it's believed that Timothy was an individual who, who really enjoyed it when he was ministering alongside the Apostle Paul. But then when the time came for him to be on his own, there's a belief that he oftentimes would be overcome by fear and timidity. And so Paul is encouraging him that don't give in to that. Remember who is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. You're not doing this on your own. You'll be overwhelmed. You'll become fearful if you think you've got to do the job on your own. But the Holy Spirit will give you boldness and give you courage. He says he'll give us power. The Spirit gives us all the spiritual resources that we need to accomplish the mission, whatever it is that we need. You know, power can manifest itself in a lot of ways. Knowledge is power. Wisdom is power. Discernment is power. Perseverance and persistence, they're powerful. And what the Word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit who comes in power will give us everything we need. Again, it can become fearful to think that I within myself have to do this thing God is calling me to do. But instead we stop and say, no, the Holy Spirit in me will give me courage, but also give me every resource I need to get the job done. It says he will give us love. The Spirit instills in us a love for God and a love for people. One of the things that we have to you know, understand, you've heard it stated uh, uh, earlier today, and that is there will be no passion for the mission unless there is a passion for people. Why? Because people are the mission. And so we need a passion for people. God calls us to love people. And it's not the kind of love that we, that we so you know, readily state when we say, oh, I love everybody. 
He calls us to a God-like love, a supernatural love. And when we have that kind of love and passion, then we will have passion for the mission to reach those people. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who instills in us a love for God, but a love for people, a God-like supernatural love for people. He also says that he'll give us self-control. The Spirit enables us to live lives of good character, integrity, and consistency. The old saying that, you know, I don't remember much about high school because I didn't pay a lot of attention. Uh, by a history teacher, and the only thing I remember is he wrote this on the board one day, and I've never forgotten it. He says that your actions speak lo- so loudly, I cannot hear a word you say. And I've thought about that throughout my life. And what the Word of God is telling us that, that God will help us through the Holy Spirit to live lives of consistency so that when we try to speak about our faith or speak about the gospel, we won't find that people's ears have been closed because of what they've seen in our lives. But because of what they've seen in our lives, their ears will be open to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, and that is that the historic climate does not change the mission. You know, people today, you know, talk about, well, it's different now. It's harder now. You know, we live in a world where in the United States where now uh, Christianity is, uh, is not that highly uh, spoken of sometimes. There's an there's a antagonism, even an open hostility in many circles about Christianity. And sometimes we want to use that as an excuse. Well, because of that then I can't speak out. Because of that, I can't share my faith or live out my faith. Well, when Paul was talking to Timothy, it was in the height of the persecution uh, that was being brought down because of Emperor Nero. There were Christians that were being tied to chariots and ripped in two. Christians were being thrown to wild animals and eaten alive. Christians were having their bodies wrapped in in rags, soaked in wax, hung on stakes, and set on fire to light up the emperor's garden. And those people stayed on mission and turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And so many of us, what do we say? Well, I can't do that. Why? Because they'll unfriend me. (laughs) Or they'll unlike me. You know, they, they, they'll shut me out, and they, and they won't want to, you know, they won't want to hang around me. I wonder what it's going to be like when we stand before and get to talk to some of those first century Christians and talk about the hardships they had. Then they said, what was it like for you? We said, oh, it was so hard. Man, people would unfriend you if you stood up for Jesus Christ. We need to understand histor- historic climates do not change the mission. We are still on mission. And I'm excited for you to hear from someone who has accepted the call into a new area of mission, a new direction of mission. And he and his family uh, are are going to do something amazing. Jack Dibbon, who has been our uh, middle school pastor and done a tremendous job for us here. A few months ago, came to Pastor Chris and I said, said, I feel like God's calling me to something else. I feel like I'm supposed to be a church planter and we're going to go to one of the most unchurched cities in America. 
We're going to go to Las Vegas and plant a gospel-preaching, gospel-teaching church. So I'm excited for you to hear how they submitted to the call of God in their lives.